What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to a podcast we call At The Buzzer. I'm your host, Gary Niffin. This is episode 36 of At The Buzzer. Today, I will be talking about the John Collins suspension, the LA Lakers, the Phoenix Suns, and the Miami Heat, plus putting a spotlight on a couple players that have been hooping out of their minds. First off, we will start with kind of some of the negative news, and that's that John Collins of the Atlanta Hawks has been suspended 25 games for PEDs. He is appealing the process, but that doesn't seem to work very often for most guys. Um, it seems like usually if you're going to get suspended for PEDs, they've got pretty good reason to suspend you. That's tough. Um, he's claiming, of course, like they all do, that he didn't know what he was taking. I'm not saying he's a liar. Uh, I'm not saying any of the guys that do that are liars, but they can't all be telling the truth. It's, uh, you know, I, I do like to give the younger guys a little more leniency just because I know they may not be as strict with their diets and, and their supplements and stuff like that. You know, DeAndre and John Collins, things like that, guys like that. But, you know, if it was an accident, then I guess it's a lesson to learn to really be careful about what you're putting in your body. Um, but that's real tough for, for Atlanta, a team that's, you know, trying to make the playoffs in the, in the weast in the, in the weaker Eastern conference, the Western conference, uh, Trey they're saying is, is possibly coming back tonight. So he'll, even if not tonight, he'll be back soon. He says the ankle feels good and stuff, but, and you know, Trey is obviously the biggest difference maker for the Hawks, but Collins is kind of the guy that can do the dirty work. I mean, he's averaging 17 points, 8.8 boards. He can do a little bit of everything. And I think he really does complement Trey's game really well. So that's, that's going to hurt a little bit for them. I do think they will get a little more back on track with Trey back though. Uh, players of the week this week were Giannis. He had uh, for the week he averaged twenty five point three points, thirteen point three rebounds, six point five assists, and the Bucks went three and one. AD was the Western Conference Player of the Week. He averaged thirty two points a game, thirteen rebounds, two point seven blocks, while the Lakers went three and zero. At the end of the week, uh, the league leaders are James Harden in points, averaging thirty six point six points per game. Unfortunately, he is doing that on thirty eight percent shooting, which is atrocious honestly that's really bad it doesn't make me as impressed with him leading the league in scoring I think there's a lot of guys in the league that could lead the score lead the league in scoring on 38 percent shooting LeBron could definitely lead the league in scoring on 38 percent shooting AD you know what I mean there's guys that can do that if they're just hucking shots which right now is kind of what Harden's doing I know that's his game I know that's his thing but um I know he had a great game last night with 44 it just doesn't impress me as much if you're not being at least somewhat efficient. I'm not saying Harden's got to shoot 50%, but he's got to be at least 43 to 44% from the field. I think he will get there. I think he'll pick up the efficiency as the year goes on. Bronze leading the league in assists at 11.2 assists a game. It really, I, I don't know if he'll end up finishing the year leading the league in assists. That would be a crazy thing for him to do this late and and another thing to throw into the you know his go argument is a guy that can lead the league in scoring and he can lead the league in assists and he led the league in scoring really really early in his career and then he leads the league in assists late in his career I don't know if he'll stay at 11 it is crazy though because I remember before the year everyone was talking about Braun's going to be around 25 7 and 10 and the 25 and 7 was for sure. but I, And I get why they said his assists would go up with AD there. But I was also like, LeBron kind of puts up relatively the same incredible numbers every year. I didn't think he'd really jump in the assist category like he has. 
And I would say the reason for that is they've made a concerted effort to go to AD. I'll touch on that a little more later. Andre Drummond's leading the league in rebounds at 19.4 boards a game. Jimmy Butler, he's only played three games, but he's so far leading the league in steals at 4.3 steals a game. Uh, And AD is leading the league in blocks at three blocks a game. DeAndre Ayton technically is, but he's played like one game. So I don't, I'm not going to count that. So AD's leading the league in blocks at three a game, uh, which segues me perfectly into the Lakers, who look incredible, you guys. Um, I still think Clippers are right there with them. I really do think it's a bat. I, I think the West is really wide open, but I think the two best teams as of now are the Lakers and the Clippers. And I told you guys, I'm giving it about 20 games, close to 20 games before I start making, you know, real conclusions on okay, this is who this guy is, and this is who this team is. That being said, the Lakers are a hard-nosed defensive team, which is a great identity for a team with two of the five best players in the world. That is something you... it That's a hard thing to sell to any superstar, let alone the best player in the league in year 17. That's a tough thing to do. And that's why I'm giving Frank Vogel a lot of credit because he's got them bought into what they're doing. Do you see how many, how many, if you guys are watching Laker games, how many charges are they taking? A lot. That's coaching. Players have to execute charges, but trust me, charges are something that's preached at practice every day by a coach, miss charge opportunities. They're, they're talking about it, things like that. So it's ingrained in them now to take charges. LeBron's taking charges. I've seen AD try and take charges. They're all doing it. That's a huge thing. And then when you've got a trio of just elite rim protectors like McGee, Dwight Howard, and AD, it's going to be really hard to score at the rim against them. They're they're they've got good perimeter defenders in in Danny Green and Avery Bradley, who I love how Avery Bradley's been playing as well as Danny Green. And then of course you've got you know Goat James. So that's just, I mean. They look really good. They're definitely running the show through AD, but I still think it's Braun's team when I watch them. Like, they're running AD on a lot of post-ups and pick and rolls to get him lobs and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, the ball is in Braun's hand. He's deciding what's going on. And and he still looks as good as ever, pretty much, you guys. I don't think he's quite as athletic as he was in his prime, but dang, he is close. He's still able to push the ball up the floor dunk on anyone get to the rim at will he's getting back to that brawn where he puts your his shoulder into someone's gut at the rim and he's just too strong once he gets within five feet and you're not stopping him you gotta foul him uh he struggled a little bit at the free throw line against san antonio the other night but he is shooting 75 percent right now and that's after having a couple rough games at the stripe he was around 80 percent uh, i don't know if you guys have noticed but he has changed his free throw routine a little bit in terms of he pauses the ball like right at his chest, holds it for a second, and then shoots it. And it seems to have put him in a little better of a rhythm at the stripe. Uh, hopefully he gets back on track because that is the one, as we all know, that's really the one flaw in Braun's game is his ability to, to consistently knock down free throws. Um, AD's averaging 28.5 points per game, 11.5 boards, 2.7 assists uh, per game, one steal, three blocks a game. That's unreal. Those are MVP numbers. And then LeBron is averaging 25.5 points per game, 8 boards a game, 11.2 assists, 1.5 steals. Those are MVP numbers. The Lakers are first in the West. Either of those guys could be making an MVP push if they kept numbers like this up. 
other than they're both going to take votes away from each other because they, they both look incredible so far. Uh, Danny Green and Avery Bradley are both in double figures off the bench. Danny around 11 a game, Avery around 10 a game. Kuz is back now. He's looked rusty early on in his first two games, but I think he'll get his legs under him as the season goes on, and I think he'll become that scoring threat off the bench that they really need. Dwight's been great off the bench, you guys. Uh, he's averaging 6.8 points a game, 8.2 boards on 79% shooting. You can't say enough good things about what Dwight Howard's done. He, 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 AD and Braun put up better numbers, but Dwight was the one that really dominated the fourth quarter of that Spurs game. Like dominated it, blocking shots, just dunking everything. Not he's so efficient right now because this isn't Dwight that wants post up touches now. This is Dwight that's just gonna rim run, pick and roll. Uh, he did get I saw him get one post up touch and he hit a little left hand hook, but it was not demanding the ball. It was within the flow after he was in a rhythm and had had not missed a shot all game. That's when you go to him there. You he still you guys Dwight Howard is a probably going to he's going to be a hall of famer he's on a non-guaranteed contract he's hungry i can guarantee he worked this summer he worked on his game so i know people think he can't sometimes you know dwight doesn't have a post game no for sure he doesn't have some elite ad post game where you can funnel it through him all game on the block but he still works on moves and stuff during the summer he still works on a hook shot over both shoulders so once he's in a rhythm off the amount off of you know dunks and putbacks and stuff like that that's when then okay let's get Dwight a post-up touch because now he's in a rhythm and then he can go do something like that I love how they've been using him I love it uh he he's perfect because he's been playing so well it allows AD to play the four which is what he wants and long term I think that's better for them because that saves AD's legs uh late into the into the season in the postseason I, I just I love what I've seen from him I think it's been a huge turnaround uh, all the stuff about where his mind was at before the season, and it seemed like he was in the right place, has has shown up perfectly so far this year. I mean, he's not he's not going away from what he said he was going to do, which was he was just coming in, going to play his role, you know, buy into what they were doing. The other day, he said he doesn't look at it as a role; he looks at it as his purpose, which is a crazy thing for someone like Dwight to say if you know Dwight's history and how he's been. Been a little immature, made mistakes, been demanding in certain situations. A bunch of places have wanted to trade him away. And now he's like, I'm going to be the best backup center in the league, which to this point, I I, I think he is. I, I, I really like the Lakers. I, like I said, I still think the Clips are right there with him, with them, um, especially once they get Paul George back. I think that's that's a layer that people aren't even discussing really right now. But, man, they're tough, you guys. LeBron and AD is those are two of the top five players in the world right there. Okay. It's that simple. No other team has two top five players in the world. And, and they do. Um, so I would just like everyone to apologize to me because the Phoenix Suns are figuring it out. I didn't call that this year necessarily, but I've been a huge Devin Booker fan. That's why I want my apology because everyone wants to. It's not that they don't. It's not that they disrespect Book, but it's like we want to act like, nah, he's good. He can get a bucket, but his play style doesn't contribute to winning. He's an empty stat getter. Okay, not anymore. Because the minute they put a halfway decent team around him, they start winning games. Granted, I'm not gonna overreact. They're still the Suns. It could still fall apart. It's still early. 
Teams get hot. Teams also get cold. They could get cold. The West is deep. I get all that. But I love how they're playing. They're, and, and here's the thing, you guys. They didn't even put together. It's not like he's got a bunch of stars around him. They put a halfway decent team around him. We got Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre, and Aaron Baines are their next three best players. And they're 5-2. and two. Put some dang respect on Devin Booker's name. He's averaging 23-5 and five right now. Solid numbers. Last night he had 40. It's just, it's not empty stats anymore. He's not putting up these big numbers in 20-point losses. Last night he took the fourth quarter of the game over. Uh, they called a bad... They called a tripping foul on him on Josh Richardson. Uh, it was obviously unintentional. Monty Williams uh, did his coach's review, and they still kept the foul the same way. Book was heated and then came out, got a few buckets to close the game out. Uh, a great take on Al Horford late. I know none of you were probably watching the Phoenix Suns-Philadelphia 76ers game, but Book had 40, and he looked like a killer. Um. Ricky Rubio's averaging 12.7 points a game, 6.5 rebounds, 8.5 assists, 1.8 steals. Ricky Rubio's a guy that's turned himself into a very good pro. He came in the league and we were thinking he was the next passing maestro, like he was about to be and you know, the next Steve Nash. I remember he was, you know, the, the Spanish Steve Nash or whatever. And then he kind of struggled and kind of couldn't figure it out. And then last year in Utah, he was solid. Now in Phoenix, he's running the show. It's it's awesome for them because Book can bring the ball down the court. He can play the point. He can do those things. He's very capable. He has that skill set. But I feel like you wear him out doing that like they've done in the past where it's just get Book the ball and get out the way. Now, obviously, as a fan, and, and Booker's, you know, one of my two or three favorite players in the whole league, but and, – and I love to see him come down and huck the ball every time because he, he's amazing. But I don't think that's necessarily conducive to winning – where the way they're they're playing right now is, and a lot of that has to do with Ricky Rubio running the show and just being a good, smart point guard that knows when to get certain guys shots, when to do certain things, when to, you know what I'm saying? He knows how to run the point guard position very well. Whether his skill set is as elite as all the other point guards in the West, no, of course not. But he's very capable. He's very capable. The Suns are 5-2. and two. They've lost two games. Both games were by one point. You guys, this is a very, very good team. They beat Philly last night. Philly's the only un- was the only undefeated team left in the league. And it was a close one. And the Suns out-executed them in the fourth quarter. This is not the Phoenix Suns we know. This is just not the Phoenix Suns we know. And you have to give so much credit to Monty Williams. He's got them bought in. You can tell this is they're they're engaged in what they're doing. They like whatever he's selling at practices and stuff like that. Um, book looks a little more engaged defensively, which to me, that's, that's Williams getting him bought in, but it just shows you how good dudes in the league are and how, if you can just put together enough solid guys around someone as good as Devin Booker, you can win games. I just don't get why everyone was sleeping on people were comparing his game to Kobe. And then we want to say he's an empty stat getter. I just don't know how that works, especially when your team's terrible. So, like I said, I want an apology from all of you that said Devin Booker's an empty stat getter. Um, Ubre's averaging 17.4 points per game and six boards, 1.1 steals. Aaron Baines, in lieu of the DeAndre Ayton suspension, is averaging 15 points, six rebounds, one block. My only concern with them so far, other than just 
is this a fluke and are they going to go back to their old Phoenix Suns ways, is rim protection. Uh, Baines is leading the team in blocks with one block a game. Obviously, Aiton getting back will will really elevate their rim protection um, as he you know had four blocks in the first game. But I think they've got a good enough team to 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 keep winning games and stuff. And then when you get Aiton back, if Aiton can play at the level he looked at in game one, you guys, this Phoenix Suns team is can can really be a playoff team. Now, I'm not saying that's for sure what they're going to be. I get it. The West is deep. Like I said, teams get hot, teams get cold. But I've always liked the Suns. I, I've, I've been rooting for Book since he was a rookie, and I'm excited to see them turning things around. This is this is just this is not the Phoenix Suns team we're used to. It looks like Phoenix is back. And like I said, we're seven games in. I'm not gonna over exaggerate. I get all those things, but they look dang good. Uh, you know who else looks dang good? The Miami Heat. You guys, they're they're first in the Eastern Conference with the Philly loss last night. They're five and one. They have eight guys averaging double figures. Eight. If a team has four or five guys averaging double or five guys, four most teams can have usually four guys. But if you got a team with five guys averaging double figures, you're like wow, they're deep. Eight. They have eight guys averaging double figures. That's dang near your whole rotation gets you double figures. Uh. Kendrick Nunn's leading the way. He's at about 19.5 points a game. James Johnson's at about uh, he's at uh, 17 points a game. He only's played one game. Uh, Tyler Hero uh, is around 15 a game. Uh, Drogic is around 16 a game. Jimmy Butler's only at about 14 a game in his three games, but he's averaging seven boards, seven assists, four steals, and a block a game. So Jimmy's really been not the glue guy for them, but he's the guy that can – He's like the he's the Swiss Army knife. He can do a little bit of everything, and with such a deep team, you don't ne- necessarily need to have some absolute superstar. Jimmy is the star of the team, but you've got all these other guys that can get buckets in a whole bunch of different ways. So Jimmy doesn't necessarily have to go out and get you 23 to 25 a game. He can focus on, I'm going to play defense, like he did when he first broke onto the scene. That was how Jimmy really broke onto the scene was as a defensive stopper. So now that he doesn't have to carry as much of an offensive load, he can focus more on that, hence the 4.3 steals on the block a game. He still can score. He's been a little inefficient, uh, 38% from the field, like Harden. The difference is Harden shoots tons of shots. Jimmy has recognized it, isn't forcing a bunch of shots to try and get his 20-something a game. He's happy winning games. I loved his response. Uh, you know, MFers didn't think, didn't think I was good, basically was what he was saying, because everyone's take on Butler going to Miami was, Oh, he's doing it for the money. He he's not really about winning. Maybe Jimmy's just so confident in his ability, whether you want to think that's justifiable or not. He's so confident in his ability. He bet on himself. While I mean, obviously you go to Miami to get that money, but you bet on yourself and and turn the whole thing around, and that's what he's done. Um, so far, I keep. <laughs> it's hard, you guys, because it's a new season. I'm trying to base things off of what I've seen so far, but I also understand how early in the season can go and how things can change, right? The Lakers look good early, you know, well, maybe not this early last year, but the Lakers were fourth in the West early in the season at a point and then fell off and couldn't even make the playoffs. So I'm trying to, you know, reserve myself from from speaking in, you know, certainties. But I like what I'm seeing from Miami. I don't think they're the number one team in the East by any means. Right now, Philly and Milwaukee – is, is where it's at, um, but 
we'll see. I, I want to hold off on that. But I do feel like Miami could possibly, by the end of the year, if they keep playing like this where, you, where you're where you just so deep and have so many guys pouring it in, they could be a team that gives you know Boston a run for their money as, I think, maybe the third best team in the East. Um, Yeah, so you've got uh, – here are the eight guys averaging double figures real quick for them just so you guys can put some respect on all of their name. Kendrick Nunn. James Johnson, Goran Dragic, Tyler Hero, Justice Winslow, Jimmy Butler, uh, Bam Adebayo is playing great. He's playing great. He's filling up the statue. He's leading them in assists with five assists a game, nine boards. I think he's around 13 points a game or so. And then Duncan Robinson uh, is also averaging double figures. He's at about 11. Plus, Derek Jones Jr. and Myers Leonard are both at nine a game. So you've got eight guys in double figures and then two more almost in double figures. This Miami Heat team is deep. And people need to start being a little more aware of them just because they don't have some 28-point-a-game score like most of the other good teams do. They kind of have a little bit of a Los Angeles Clippers feel from last year. You know, where it's just everyone everyone can get it done on any given night. You know, we got guys off the bench that can get it done. Um, obviously not the same as having Lou Will and Montrez Harrell, the most dominant bench duo dang, dang near ever off the bench statistically. But... They just got guys that can get it done, man. Um, so so be on the lookout for Miami. But like I said, I still think the East is is going through either Philly or Milwaukee. Brandon Ingram's balling out of control, you guys. Brandon Ingram's averaging 25.9 points per game, 7.1 boards, 4.3 assists, one block a game. He's shooting 55% from the field and 48% from three. <laughs> I I mean, I, I don't I don't I don't know what to say to that. That's unreal. The the jump he's taken so far. Now, could he slow down? Of course. But it kind of looks like he's doing the opposite. It looks like he's getting more and more comfortable every game considering he had 40 last night. And, and I'm telling you, it was they didn't win, but it was a nice 40. It was mid-range, turnarounds, bumps in the lane, tough contested shots. I mean, he looked like an elite NBA score. This year, four, you guys. Year, I know we all want them, you know, rookies. You still give them until year two for sure. And then by year three, we get a little skeptical that they're not improving too much. But a lot of these guys, you guys, Brandon Ingram's was one and done at Duke. And then played three years in the league. This technically, if he played four years in college, this would be his rookie year right now. So let's just not freak out yet when guys don't get it going right away. And it was never like Ingram looked terrible. So it wasn't like, okay, he's just a bust. It wasn't like an Anthony Bennett thing where he came in. It's like, okay, this dude's just not, he's not ready. He's not really, looks like he didn't look like he should be in the league. Brandon Ingham always showed flashes and stuff. Now he's just seeming to put it together. Granted, the Pelicans aren't winning games, but I, I don't know how much this year for them is actually about them winning games, especially with Zion out the first, you know, six to eight weeks of the season. Um, man, I'm telling you, when he comes back, they they could be scary. You could have two twenty. Zion might be a twenty a game guy right off the bat, and if that's the case, him and Ingram, and then you got Lonzo facilitating. Josh Hart's been playing great. You have JJ Redick. You got Drew Holiday. I mean, this is this is a solid team for sure. Um, but like I said, I love what I've seen from Ingram. Uh, my buddy DeAndre's got to be happy. That was one. Of, he's a huge Laker fan, and that's got to be one of his favorite. That was one of his favorite young guys. Um, I. You know, I'm not getting into awards too much, but Ingram's obviously right now the front runner for the most improved player of the year award. And it's funny because if you guys remember in the first episode uh, of of this new season at the buzzer, I said 
I think Lonzo is going to be right in the mix for most improved player. And it was funny because before I did that episode, I I almost put Lonzo and Ingram, but I didn't want to put two guys from the same team as my three candidates to win the award. And I thought, well, Lonzo's going to have the ball in his hand more. Ingram's going to be, you know, splitting perimeter looks with a lot of other guys on that team. Lonzo is playing great, and he's looking like he's getting better. He's shooting the ball more efficiently, things like that. But but Ingram's been out of Ingram's looked like a superstar in the first seven games of the year, despite his, like I said, his team not winning games. But uh, be on the lookout for Ingram. I, I at twenty six a game right now. I don't see him not finishing the season averaging above at least twenty. Um, Playmaking's been good, four point three assists. Like I said, uh, what I love most is the efficiency. Fifty five percent from the field and forty eight percent from three is really good. And the three point percentage is off five attempts a game. So that's not. A small sample size. He's he's been efficient from the uh, from behind the arc. So good to see Ingram balling out uh, with his new team. Eric Pascal from the Golden State Warriors finding a rhythm. He had thirty four and thirteen last night. The night the game before that he had twenty five. He's averaging sixteen point seven a game. He's big. He's strong. He can shoot it. He's a second rounder. He looks like he fits Golden State perfectly. Another great steal from Golden State, it looks like. That's why this year, if I'm Golden State, I'm not rushing Steph back. I'm not bringing Clay back this season. I'm letting these young guys figure it out. I'm letting D'Angelo Russell try and put up big numbers so maybe he can be a trade piece somewhere. And I'm letting... I'm After what I've seen from, from Pascal, I'm, I'm going to... If I'm the Warriors, I'm going to let him go crazy. I think I'm going to let him get loose a little bit. I'm going to let him try and figure it out. I'm going to let these young guys really test it out. We won't win a ton of games. Maybe we'll beat some teams like last night they beat Portland. But that's what I would do if I was the Warriors. I'd really let these young guys spread their wings and see who potentially by next year could be a real piece to what you're trying to do when you have a healthy Steph, Clay, Draymond back. And, you know, maybe you go trade D'Angelo Russell and make a move, or maybe you bring him back to whatever the case. You need to have some of these young guys are going to have to stay around and be a part of it if you want to get back to that Golden State Warriors championship culture. So far, he's really looked like the guy. I'm telling you guys, he is strong. He's putting his shoulder and just bulldozing his way to the rim. I like his jumper. He raises real high up, and he's already big, so he can shoot it above pretty much anyone. Um, his game's simple, nothing fancy to it, but but he looks really good. Um. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the league's been so fun so far, you guys. This has been, it's lived up to everything I was hoping for going into the season. We were all kind of saying, oh, I haven't been this excited for an NBA season now. I can't even remember when. And we're, what, seven games in, and it's absolutely lived up to the hype. I, there's no complaints here. I love what I've seen, you guys. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. This has been episode 36 of At The Buzzer. Please subscribe to the podcast, spread the word about how you think it's the greatest thing you've ever heard, and show support on social media. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you next time.